Greg had approached me and asked me to, to just share a little bit tonight, and, and um, what I'm going to share is actually out of a series of lessons that we've been doing at Springville Church of the Nazarene lately. Um, I felt led of God for us to uh, do a series of lessons. I just entitled it Getting to Know God. And um, our goal in that series really is that as we grow in our um, understanding of God's attributes, who He is, not so much what He does, but who He is, His character, that we would also grow in our appreciation and our adoration of Him. And so we began the series by talking about uh, His omniscience, which is a big fancy word that just simply means He knows everything about everything. Past, present, and future. And then we talked about His omnipresence, which again is another big fancy word that simply means He is everywhere all the time at the same time. Boy, get your arms around that one. (laughs) And then this last Sunday we talked about the third piece of that, which is God's omnipotence, which is a fancy word for the fact that He can do anything. He is all-powerful. He is almighty. By the way, that's a word in the Bible that's reserved only for God. Did you know that? 56 times that word's used in the Bible. And every time it's in reference to God. Why is that? Because there's only one who can be almighty. Nothing's too difficult for Him. Ephesians 1, verses 19 and 20. We sang about it tonight. That was led by the Spirit right there. Where Paul says, I pray that you'll begin to understand the incredible greatness of His power for us who believe in Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Whoa! Did we just read that? Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that the, the resurrection power of Christ is available to us. Hmm. So what I want to do tonight is just, I'm going to take just a portion of some of the things I shared on Sunday and share it with you. And the question, I think, the heart of this past Sunday's lesson had to do with, so... God has unlimited power. God is omnipotent. How do we appropriate that for our lives? I mean, how can we tap in to His omnipotence? How can we plug in so that we have this incredible resurrection power to get going and to keep going in our daily lives? And here's just a part of what we discovered this past Sunday morning. Second Chronicles 14 verse 11 says, Lord, there's no one like You to help the powerless. Empower us, O Lord our God. Conduct Your power in and through our lives, for we are utterly and totally dependent upon You. So here's the question. How? How do we access God's unlimited power supply? Well, the Bible says that faith... Duh is the key. <laughs> faith is the key. Well, what, what, kind of, what kind of faith? What, what do I mean by that? That's a word we toss around a lot, don't we? 
What do we mean by faith? Well, here's what it looks like. So I'm just going to give it to you tonight. And this might stretch us, I hope, dear God, a bit in our thinking. This faith, if it's really faith, is demonstrated distinctively in three ways. First of all, in faith, I must believe. Well, duh, that's what faith means, right? Well, in this case, what I'm, what I'm saying here is that I simply must not doubt God's power. I must have unwavering confidence that His omnipotent, all-powerful power is available to me. I must fully and completely trust His unlimited power and unending strength is right there available for me in my daily life. And I'm not sure if I could just be candid. I'm not sure too many of us are there. Sadly. It was this belief in God's power that finally brought Job around in the end. You remember Job's story, right? All the crud he went through, you know. And then his friends came along, supposed friends came along, and he argued with them chapter after chapter. I mean, after I remember when I had to study that in seminary for the first time, and I thought, oh my goodness, I don't want any friends like that. But when he gets to the end of the book, and he is face to face with God, which is where he should have begun. <laughs> and he's all alone with God when, when, when he's sorting all of what has happened in his messy life out. He says in Job 42 and verse 2, I know, Lord, that you are all powerful, that you can do everything you want. Job was finally at the place where God wanted him to be. He was in that place of surrender where every one of us ought to be in our lives. Where we say to God, God, You are God. And You can do anything and everything that You want because You are who You are. So here I am. Work your mighty power in and through my life. Mm. Jesus put it this way, Mark 9, verse 23. Everything... I'm going to do what you did, Scott. Everything... Everything is possible for Him who believes. He didn't say some things. Did you notice that? He didn't say most things. He said everything is possible for him who believes. There's that key word, belief. In faith, I must believe. Do we really believe that everything is possible? Matthew 9. Verse 29, Jesus told a blind man who was waiting to access God's healing power so that he could see. Jesus told him, according to your faith, may it be done to you. Uh, what if God said that to you? Oh yeah, you want my power and your 
your life. Okay, well, according to your faith, it will be done to you. God has the power. The question is, do we have the faith to believe Him? Let me restate the question this way. What are you believing God to do in and through your life tonight? Now, I'm not talking about... Please don't misunderstand my question here. I'm not talking about stuff that you can do. I'm not talking about stuff that's reachable or attainable in your own human effort. I'm not talking about stuff that you are comfortable doing. I am talking here now about stuff that is so big, it is beyond you, beyond your capability, it is beyond who you are as a human being, and only God could possibly accomplish it in and through your life so that at the end of it all, when it's all said and done and you've done it, God gets the glory. So what are you believing? I'm back to my question now. (laughs) What are you believing tonight that God can and will do through your life by His power? I want you to chew on that for a minute. Because if you're not believing something so big that beyond you that only God can do in and through you, then you are not walking by faith. You're walking by sight. I told my congregation on Sunday morning, I said, it took me a long time to be able to get to the point where I could say that in front of somebody. And I'm going to tell you, I spent a lot of time on my knees before God about this right here. Um, kind of like what God was working on you, Scott. Because it just, it just, I just had to spend some time on my knees before God and say, God, I, how can I possibly even preach this with integrity? And God was saying to me, Mark, that's the point. You know, you got to have some things in your life that you're believing me for that are beyond you. And I don't I don't know about you, but man, I don't want to walk by sight. I want to walk by faith. So in faith I must believe. Secondly, I'm not done yet. It gets a little harder. In faith, I must speak. Simply put, I must verbalize, I must announce, I must declare, I must proclaim what it is that I believe God is going to do in and through my life, I need to say it out loud so others hear it. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3, in the Scriptures it says, I spoke because I had faith. We have that same kind of faith, so we speak. Now maybe this is a new thought for some of you, but this is a critically important test of our faith. Do we believe God enough to say it out loud? Uh. To tell others around us what we are believing God to do in and through our lives. Do we have enough faith in God to put it in writing? (laughs) Now, that's a tough one. We talk about goals. 
know what goals are? Goals are just a statement of our faith. They really are. So you show me your list of goals and I'll show you how big your God is. And for many of us, He's about this big. We got Him in a nice little box where we can control Him and contain Him. And, and the problem is, God wants us to get outside the box. Listen to what Jesus said. Mark 11, verses 22-24. through 24. Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I don't like those verses. You know why? Because they make me Worm. And I, I'm not even going to pretend to tell you tonight that I have a full understanding of what Jesus intended in those verses by what He said. I, I really am not. Um, but He said them. And, and even though I, I can't totally tell you what this whole idea about talking about, I mean... If we really believed this and we really spoke this, we'd see a whole lot more mountains out in the sea. <laughs> so Jesus said if we in a parallel passage, if we had the faith as a mustard seed. And God said to me, Mark, you don't even qualify for that one. Ouch. But this I do know. We hear hear me out on this. We often short circuit God's power with our mouths. We we say, God, I believe that you can restore my marriage, and then in the very next breath, we badmouth our spouse. God, I believe that you can break these chains of addiction in my life. And then we go on to tell the 29 excuses why we can't stop smoking, stop drinking, stop using. God, I believe you can heal me of this illness or this injury in my life. And then we groan and moan to anybody who will listen and even to those who won't about how bad things are for us. God, I believe You can provide for my needs. And then we gripe and we complain about our circumstances. Am, am I making any sense here, what I'm saying? We sabotage our faith by our fearful attitudes and our negative talk. Forgive us, Lord. But again, turning it around to the positive side, if we believe it, I mean, if we really believe that God's going to do whatever this is in and through our lives by His almighty power, if we believe it, then we must speak it. Our talk must precede our walk. So in faith, I must speak. I'm not done yet. <laughs> it gets harder 
There's one more. In faith, I must act. In faith, I must act. This is the ultimate test. If you don't hear anything else I say tonight, don't miss this. In order to plug into God's power in my life, in faith, I must believe and I must speak. But ultimately, it comes down to this. I must act. And here's the tough part. Many times, I must act first before God's power is released. I must step out in advance for God's power to be demonstrated. In other words, I must act as if I have the power even though I don't have the power so that I can get the power. (laughs) Some of you just went, what? So I'll say it again. I must act as if I have the power even though I don't have the power so that I can get the power. Hear me out of this. Some of you tonight are waiting on God for something in your life to happen. And in reality, can I say to you, I believe that just maybe God is waiting on you. You must take the first step in faith. Don't wait until you feel like it. I think if I have one more person come up to me and say, well, I just don't feel like it. I think I'm just going to puke. You don't wait till you feel like it. If you're walking in step with the Spirit, if you are walking with God on that narrow way day by day, if you are in obedience to Him as a Christ follower, then if God has wanted to do something in and through your life, then take the step to do it. You step out in faith. Obedience is the word. Now lest you think I've lost it completely... Let me remind you that this is a biblical principle. There are many examples in Scripture where God's people took the first step and then God released the power. I think of Noah. Hmm? Built an ark before it had even rained a single drop of rain on the face of the earth. Or I think of Abraham who just uprooted his entire family. God said, Abraham, it's time to move. And, God, and Abraham said, okay, God, where are we going? And God said, that's for me to know and for you to find out. Just pack and let's go. And, and Abraham said, but where's my map? Where's my GPS? And God is saying, there isn't any. Just follow me. I think there's a whole nation. Uh, That's pretty powerful, huh? Came out of that act of obedience. Think of the widow of Zarephath. Do you know that story? Who used the last of her oil and flour to make bread for Elijah the prophet. And she said to Elijah, her words were, we'll do this, we'll eat this meal, and my son and I will die. Little did she know as she did that little act of faith that God would supply her with an unending supply of oil and flour for the rest of her life. But she had to act first. And on and on and on and on we could go. But just to tie this thought, how am I doing on time? Okay, just to tie, I just want to make sure, just to tie this thought together tonight, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture. I mean, if you have your Bible, you're welcome to turn there with me. It's Joshua chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, just listen well. 
Okay? Because I'm going to read it to you. One of my favorite Old Testament stories. The, the, the setting for this story is that <clears throat> the Israelites have now wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. You remember what happened? Remember they sinned. They didn't get to enter the promised land. And all of the original Israelites that left Egypt died, didn't they? Except for two. Joshua and Caleb. Now they're on the east side of the Jordan River and they are it's a whole new generation of people and they're just getting ready to enter into the promised land for the very first time. Joshua's about ready to lead them into this promised land that God has promised for so long through Abraham, by the way. And let me read. Joshua 3, verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. And after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. What was he saying there? He was saying, when you see God move, you move. You with me? The Ark of the Covenant was symbolic of the presence of God among His people. And, and Joshua was just simply giving the orders to the officers here. When God moves, you follow. That's the lesson right there <laughs> for many of us to learn. Then, verse 4, you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. I love that. <laughs> times have you said to God, but God, I've, I've never done that before. I've never been there before. God, how can you ask me to do that? You know, I'm not comfortable. That's out of my comfort zone. And God says, just follow me. You'll be okay because I know where I'm going. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near God's presence, His holiness. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. My prayer is, oh God, may that be true here. May God do amazing things among us. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of him. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel so they may know that I'm with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Every time I read that, I, start, I just crack up because I'm thinking, God says to Joshua, I'm going to exalt you in the eyes of the people now. Go tell the priest to stand in the middle of the river. But Joshua knew what was going on. Look at verse 9. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that He will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites, Chermites, Stalactites, Stalagmites, and all the other ites. Man, that's a lot of ites. We've got a lot of ites in our lives, by the way. Can I just say that for a minute? A lot of us right now are carrying a lot of ites around in our lives. God needs to drive out. Verse 12, Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Ah, so now we know how they're going to get across. 
Not quite like the Red Sea, a little different. So when the people, I wonder how many of you, <laughs> I wonder, they were a new generation, I realized, but I wonder how many Israelites complained. That's not how you did it before. We've never done it that way before. Just thought I'd throw that one in. That was free. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan, don't miss verse 15, the Jordan is at flood stage. Isn't that just like God? God didn't lead them across the Jordan River during the dry season. He led them across the Jordan River when it was outside of its banks. I've been in Israel where the Jordan River is outside of its banks and you don't want to get close to the river. It's just like this one when they take the rails down from the bridges. Now the Jordan's at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away in a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, the salt sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on muddy ground. Is that what it says? Those of you that are following along, that's not what it says. It says dry ground. In the middle of the Jordan Wall, all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Now I'm going to just stop it there. And I want to pull a principle out here for you real quick. We're talking about in faith, we must act. And sometimes that means we have to take the first step. Sometimes that means we have to step out in faith before God's power is released. And that's exactly what happened in this situation. I think I'm reading the story correctly. When in my imagination I see these priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders on the poles like they're supposed to. And they step into the Jordan River and they get their feet wet. Follow me on this for a minute. Don't let me lose you here. And they start wading into... It's flood season, folks. They start wading into the Jordan and the water gets up to their ankles and the water gets up to their knees and the water gets up to their waist and they're looking at Joshua and they're going, huh? And then all of a sudden the water starts going down. Why did it happen that way? Because, understand, God heaped up the water 19 miles upstream at this little town called Adam. Okay? How long does it take, because their feet had to touch the water first, how long does it take for 19 miles of river to flow past you? They found out. Now, could they see what God was doing 19 miles upstream? No, they could not. And many times in our lives, we can't see what God is going to do, how He's going to release His power, but God is just saying, it's up to you to take the first step. Get your feet wet. Step into the water. So what water is God calling you 
to wade into tonight. I want you to think about that. I asked the question earlier, is there anything in your life that you're believing God will and can do in and through your life that's bigger than you are, that it's so big that only God could get the glory for it when it gets done because He's the only one who by His power could do it? This is the same question, just in a little different way. What, what water is God asking you to wade out into, trusting Him that 19 miles upstream, He's going to stop it? Now we invite you to take control. To take control. Hmm? Faith, I've got to act. Getting to know God. Tonight we've taken a brief glimpse of how He can just do anything in our lives. In His omnipotence, He is all-powerful. He is almighty. There is nothing too difficult for Him. He has unlimited strength. And most importantly, God's power is available to us. The question is, will we access God's power in our daily lives? Will, will Springville Church... That's us. We'll ignite. Will all of us who claim to follow Christ wholeheartedly, will we believe, will we speak, will we act in faith so that God might release His power? I just believe there are some of us tonight who need to do some business before God on this matter. I believe some of us tonight, in just a moment, we're going to open up the altar out here. And some of us tonight need to come and we, we just need to kneel before God and we just need to say, God, I am so pitifully weak. Forgive me, God. I believe, but help my unbelief. Some of us just need to get down on our faces before God in repentance and say, God, Your power is not flowing through my life because I'm not letting it flow through my life. And there's some of you tonight who are scared to death about what I've just said and you're standing on the water's edge and you're, you're coming up with a thousand excuses why you shouldn't go there as Scott said, why he shouldn't preach a message. <laughs> and you're making all kinds of excuses and God is just saying, you know what, just step out into the waters. Trust me, I'm going to be working upstream. And some of us need to come tonight, I think, and just to... Lay whatever that is that God is asking us to do, to just lay it at His feet and say, God, I've been waiting on You, but now You're waiting on me. I'm, I'm going to take that first step tonight. So we're going to open it up up here for you to come. If God is tugging at your heart tonight, if God is asking you to come and lay this before Him, if God is, is saying to you, I'm ready to release my power in your life, let me... Let's stand together. And whoever would come, now's the time to come.